Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the Old Testament book of Daniel. We are currently at chapter 9 and verse 25. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today. Let's begin reading in verse 24 of chapter 9 of the book of Daniel in order to get the context of the the rest of this chapter and especially of this verse 25 that we want to look at today. So, again, we'll start reading in verse 24 of chapter 9 of the book of Daniel where it says this, Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then, after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until the complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. And so we find here in this paragraph the layout of this particular timetable that God has in store for his people Israel and for the city of Jerusalem. And we already have introduced this paragraph with verse 24 in the previous episodes. And uh, that means that these 70 weeks are 70 sevens of years. And that means 490 years are now pre-outlined for us uh, according to the uh, the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, and the people of Daniel, the, the Jewish people, and what is going to transpire after the original disciplinary action of the first 70 years captivity in Babylon. Once it comes to an end, then this begins something else is now timetabled for us. And uh, it is like a, a national journey that uh, the angel Gabriel is is trying to take us on. And uh, that includes the mile markers and the the, the various exits and, and entrance ramps and, and even the rest stops along the way. And we're going to look at that in some regards uh, in fine detail because we don't want to breeze through this passage without looking at the details. And in fact, uh, our verse for this particular episode is verse 25, and it begins by saying, So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So it begins with the the start of this 
490-year cycle for the next uh, uh, portion of Israel's history. And this entire new cycle of things that are that is uh, is now being revealed to Daniel by the angel is is uh, what uh, Daniel would have called the last days because he couldn't see beyond the the uh, from his own natural standpoint uh, the the captivity and the seventy years captivity and and the release from that captivity to that uh, that particular captivity to go back to Jerusalem and so he doesn't see very far beyond that and. And so, therefore, he's been given this new cycle. And it is not just 70 years. It's 70 times 7. That's a total of 490 years. So you are to know and discern. That means that you're to take this very, very carefully. That's the reason why we want to take it very carefully, because we are to show uh, a lot of uh insight and discernment as we go through this passage, especially phrase by phrase, so that we are clear about what it is exactly saying and not get lost uh, either in uh, just ignoring it or get lost in uh, many of the details just because we don't understand it and we walk away frustrated. We want to look at these things uh, precisely so that we can discern the things that are actually being said uh, so that we don't impose upon these words something else so that we're not confused by perhaps other people's calculations and and uh, those kinds of things that that people have tried to bring to this passage and uh, make it uh, fit what they want to calculate. And so we want to let the passage itself say what it wants to say. And Angel Gabriel, in revealing what God wants to say to Daniel, to uh, make sure that we're accurate in our understanding so that we can be discerning in the way we look at human history Jewish history, Gentile history, and even in Jesus' time and Jesus' predictions and Jesus' return, because we believe that in this single paragraph, we have a lot of what uh, we find out later uh, in the New Testament. But before we do that, we want to look at this so that we're not confused, so that we take the time. And uh, I understand that this may take a little bit of work. It take it may be uh, Uh, less than exciting. And yet, on the other hand, we don't have the luxury of just breezing through this passage uh, without uh, some sort of complete understanding of what uh, uh, Gabriel is trying to communicate and what God is trying to communicate through the angel Gabriel. So, you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Again, I will say, uh, according to the New Testament instruction, in fact, in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, be diligent to present yourself, approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Actually, it says that accurately handling the word of truth in uh, in that order of the words. But um, that's our responsibility as students. We are to accurately handle the word of God, the word of truth. If we don't accurately handle it, then you see it's not uh, represented properly and precisely. And so because of that, it 
may uh, uh, lend itself to being misrepresented, and we definitely don't want to misrepresent God's Word. So it begins with the beginning, and that is, what kicks this off? What is the, the main entrance into this 490-year cycle? And uh, what's, that, uh, uh, what's that marker going to look like? And here's the mile marker. It, it says, the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. This is a city decree by, evidently, a Gentile empire in order to allow the Jews to rebuild the city, the walls of the city. In fact, uh, the, uh, uh, it waits until the rest of the sentence before uh, you get, get this uh, uh, complete description of the nature of this um, city construction, this, this wall construction of the city itself, because it's uh, described as being, it says, uh, it says it will be built again uh, with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. That describes the very uh, work itself that is the result of the decree that gave the freedom for that work to take place. And uh, so there are several decrees that might fit, and yet they don't fit. And you need to know those decrees because, because some have confused us all by pointing to the wrong decrees, uh, pointing to the wrong executive orders, you might call them. One of them is the executive order or the decree by Cyrus, the king of Persia, in uh, 537 or 538 uh, that was given to Ezra in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It also is recorded in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 36, verses 22 and uh, 23. It says, uh, thus says uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever, uh, this is verse three, the, uh, verse three, then it says in Ezra chapter one, whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Now, the city itself was still in ruins, and yet Cyrus, the Persian king, allows the Jews to go back and establish the centermost part of that ruined city, and that was the temple, to rebuild the temple. That was, there were there were lots of problems in rebuilding the temple. There was a tremendous delay in rebuilding the temple. In fact, though, that particular decree probably took place um, even during Daniel's lifetime. And then uh, that decree was followed up by, um, by Darius reinforcing the original uh, executive order in uh, 519 BC in Ezra chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. So it says, uh, verse 8, it says, Moreover, I issue a decree concerning what you are to do for these elders of Judah in rebuilding this house of God. The full cost is to be paid to these people from the royal treasury out of the taxes of the provinces beyond the river and with that without delay. So Cyrus reinforced this, this original 
uh, order uh, by saying that uh, you're going to get tax money for this and it, it's going to come out of your region, but it's going to fund the rebuilding of the temple. But neither one of those decrees have anything to say about the city or the walls of the city. Now, there's one other decree in Ezra chapter 7 that has to do with allowing uh, more people than ever to go back into the land. But it is a decree that has to do with people and and their transport, their, their uh, uh, migration, you might say, from all the areas that were, uh, uh, that were under the power of the Persians and the Medo-Persian Empire. They were now allowed uh, in in mass to to uh, uh, repatriate themselves back to the land of Israel, and it says uh, verse thirteen of Ezra chapter seven. I have issued a decree that any of the people of Israel and their priests and the Levites in my kingdom who are willing to go to Jerusalem may go with you. So. That's the release, a general release for the people themselves to to go back. And uh, but none of those decrees have anything to do with the walls of Jerusalem or the city of Jerusalem and rebuilding that city. But you see, that's that is precisely the decree that uh, is laid out as the beginning point for this. 490-year cycle that is predicted in verses 24 through 27. And that cycle begins with the decree that restores and rebuilds Jerusalem, even in times of distress. Well, plaza and moat, the whole, uh, the whole thing. Well, there's only one decree that satisfies that. There's only one executive order, and we'll find out what that one is right after this musical interlude. Enjoy the break. So welcome back, and we find there is only one decree, one executive order by the Gentile king that would have satisfied this, this beginning point of this cycle of disciplinary action, this 490-year this, uh, this, uh, cycle. And so uh, it begins with this decree, and that is the decree uh, that it was given to Nehemiah. M those of you who are familiar with the Bible are familiar with that particular uh, order, that particular movement. And that was recorded in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And Nehemiah specifically, by, uh, uh, by, the, uh, by the document given uh, uh, from Ar Artaxerxes uh, Longomatus, uh, he issued this decree in 445 BC. And so when he did so, that was the beginning point. And so in 445 BC begins the clock 
ticking, you might say, the calendar uh, clicking off uh, according to this particular uh, set of predictions and what the content is here. We need to get the starting place uh, precisely right. Otherwise, we'll get everything else off. And, uh, and in fact, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me t- timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me, because the good hand of my God was on me. This was fulfilled by Nehemiah. Now, please do not be confused by this, because the book of Daniel, in the way in which our Old Testament is is uh, is arranged in book order, isn't quite... Uh, uh, to be uh, taken as a historical order because Daniel actually and his career uh, actually took place prior to uh, Nehemiah. Now, uh, there may have been some overlap, but uh, uh, that's kind of the point here. Daniel is sitting here and he is having the angel predict for him that this uh, decree that's going to release and give authority to rebuild the capital city, the old capital city, not just the temple, not just the people, but the city itself of Jerusalem was going to be rebuilt. And in fact, uh, that little description at the end of verse uh, 25 gives us uh, more validation that we've got the right decree because because it gives us that that description of it, it will be built in times of distress. Well, uh, that, by the way, is the way it is described in Nehemiah chapter 4. It uh, it says in verse 17 of uh, that chapter uh, of uh, the book of Nehemiah, it says, those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand, doing the work and the other uh, holding a weapon. Verse 18 continues, as for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. So again, the uh, qualifier about which decree we mean when we're talking about it uh, here in verse 25, uh, the, the scriptures leave us very little doubt because it describes the result of that. And uh, if they may be having the king's executive order, the freedom to rebuild the city, but it it is not going to be easy. And it wasn't easy because Nehemiah says, in fact, it was so difficult and the enemies around Jerusalem were so strong that literally the construction workers had to carry not only their tool belt, they had to carry their, uh, their sword as well. So they held both, sometimes one in one hand and the other in the other hand because the threat was just that intense. And that was, uh, again, the description that was laid out here in advance of uh, the the actual historical events that took place in Nehemiah. It says, uh, it says then, so if we get the starting place correct, then we can uh, continue on to the end place. So uh, when uh, we come to this, it says in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And it came about in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Well, when 
it's worded in such a way as in the month of, that is an assumption being made by the author that the, the reader should, should rightly presume that this means the first of the month, that is the first day of the month. That's the way that it was understood. So if that was the first of the month in the uh, 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that would have been the first day of that month Nisan, and uh, the first day of Nisan in 445 BC happened to have corresponded to uh, our extrapolation of our current calendar uh, back in the past. That would have corresponded to March the 14th, uh, 445 BC. So so then we do have at least a, a date about the beginning of this 490-year cycle. And you say, that may not mean a whole lot until we get to something else. We need to establish another date. And what is that date uh, according to our own calendar? Well, let's continue on. That from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, what's interesting is, First of all, the termination point of of uh, the seven weeks and sixty two weeks. I want to draw our attention that the termination point has to do with Messiah, the Prince. This Prince, the word there, Prince, is in the capital P in this particular sentence because it goes with Messiah, the Anointed One, the One uh, raised up by God to be the inheritor of David's throne, the one who was going to fulfill the messianic prophecies. And when he appears on the scene, that will be the termination of the seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now notice, notice, do a little bit of arithmetic and you'll discover that's a total of of, uh, 69 weeks of years, you might say. Now, now, there's lots of ways to calculate that, and we'll get to that in a moment. But what's uh, really uh, just as important isn't necessarily how you calculate it as much as getting the the right terminus, that is, the right exit uh, at the end of this 69 weeks, at the end of the seven weeks and 62 weeks. So, what we find here is Messiah, the Prince. Well, there were many events in Jesus's life that might have fulfilled that particular phrase uh, in many regards. So so you might say, well, that's when he was born. But uh, uh, that may not be the the thing that uh, sets this thing uh, in motion or that has uh, set this thing on its end uh, at the uh, at the termination of these uh, these weeks of years, these uh, what would in essence be 483 uh, years. And uh, uh, those uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks, they add together to 69 weeks. And they end with Messiah the Prince. But do they end with the birth of Jesus? But then again, maybe they end at the, uh, at the start of his pub- public ministry. Jesus' pur- public ministry began approximately, as far as we can tell, in A.D. 28. Then some people believe they end at at the crucifixion, and we'll get to that a little bit later on when we uh, look at verse 26. But in the meantime, uh, that could be that uh, this particular timetable ends with his crucifixion. But the most natural that that uh, flows in this passage and in its context and 
most naturally goes with this title, Messiah, the Prince. This is not the birth of Jesus, but this is the, the Messiah, the Prince, showing up as the Messiah, the Prince. Now, he, he always claimed to be that, and uh, many people believed that he was, but there was one official gesture that put Jesus on the map, so to speak, as officially claiming to be the Messiah, the Prince, uh, to inherit David's throne because of the specific prophecy in another prophet in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Rejoice, uh, Shout and triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And that is exactly the way Jesus presented himself to the capital city of Israel, the capital city of the Jews, the capital city in which the authority of the Jewish people themselves, both religious and secular, you might say, both resided in in Jerusalem, except for the fact they were still being dominated by a Gentile empire. But other than that, Jesus made it a point that he was presenting himself officially to the nation of Israel as their Messiah, the prince. And uh, that was when he rode in on a donkey. In fact, uh, Jesus points to that and says such in, uh, and holds them accountable. He holds the city accountable. He holds the Sanhedrin accountable to this rejection because he knows they are, they are rejecting him even from the very moment he rode in on that donkey as a fulfillment of that particular particular um, uh, messianic prophecy. And uh, Luke 19, in fact, it says in verse 40, but Jesus answered, I will tell you if these become silent. Um, that is uh, the disciples who were declaring uh, Hosanna to the son of David. And so he says, if these people here uh, become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he said to the city and wept over it. See, Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was fulfilling and the responsibility of rejecting him and his offer to the city of Jerusalem. He says then, he says in verse 42, saying, if you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground, and your children will within you, and they will not leave you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. You see, that was the fulfillment of this this uh, first part of this 490-year prophecy, the seven weeks and the 62 weeks added together, we're going to end with Messiah the Prince, and Messiah the Prince rode into Jerusalem that day, and that day fulfilled this this 483-year cycle, that portion of it, and uh, uh, that was what was so significant about that, so that that was can be calculated. It can be uh, looked at through the chronology of the day and Jesus's ministry and assembling all the details together. Many scholars have come to the conclusion that would have been A.D. 32, the 10th of Nisan, 
that would have corresponded to our calendar of April the 6th. And I believe that exactly fulfills this prophecy in verse 25 of Daniel. Is Jesus riding in on that donkey that day, knowing that he was going to be rejected? Yes. Knowing that it was inevitable that he would have to face being rejected? Yes. And yet, he officially made his offer that day by fulfilling the, the prediction of riding in on a donkey. And that was their Messiah that they were rejecting. May we receive him today by faith and know that it is he of whom that Daniel was, was spoken about or spoken to about. And that was Jesus. Dear Father, we need you for wisdom and discernment. We need your strength and ability to know what lies ahead for us. But also, Father, we need your comfort and your hope and your joy by what we see that you have already done to fulfill the exact details of the words that Gabriel gave to Daniel that day. We pray your blessings on our study today and our understanding of you and of your work and of your priority and of your attention upon our history and the history of the Jewish people. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.